The second wild card has been added, and that is hit out to deep left. Did he get it up? It's at the wall, and it is gone. It's a home run. Tyler O'Neill just over the wall and left. 25 now for Tyler O'Neill. Back-to-back games that he's hit a home run, and the Cardinals split their series with the Dodgers after dropping the first two. That's BK. Dan McLaughlin, the Danny Mac Show, Summers Wealth Management. See more at summerswealthmanagement.com. And it sets up for what should be an entertaining weekend of baseball as the Cincinnati Reds are in town. Tyler Malley, 11-5 against John Lester tonight. He's 5-6, but has pitched very well his last two starts. And BK, a split against the Dodgers, and they keep pulling me back in. They're three back now, and uh, just two back of Cincinnati, so obviously a huge series. Question for you, Dan. Do you think that the reason why we are, the we, the Cardinals are this close is because they have been playing well or because the rest of the National League kind of stinks right now? Uh, or a little bit of both? A little bit of both. I would say probably the latter, where you just haven't had a team like the Phillies, like the Cardinals, like the Reds, like New York that have said, or the Padres, hey, I'm taking it, I'm running with it, and just you know rattle off 9 out of 10. Because if you do that, you got a real good shot to to win that second wild card. And so the Padres get the Dodgers tonight. Urias was supposed to start against St. Louis yesterday. He's got 16 wins to lead the National League. They pushed him back to this game uh, against the Padres. So, you know, all of a sudden you're saying, I feel okay about it. And look at what the Cardinals have left in their schedule. They've got Cincinnati for three. Then it's San Diego, or uh, the Mets, going on the road for just three games at City Field. You come back home. You got the 2011 uh, reunion, and San Diego's in town, another team that you're chasing. And then after that, you wrap it up with uh, Chicago-Milwaukee, and I mentioned it with Michelle on the morning show. You know, Chicago's played better. You know, they just won, what, seven or eight and took two or three against the Reds, had a walk-off with Jason Hayward the other night. But then with Milwaukee, you know they're going to win the division. So at that point in time, what are you going to see in terms of their pitching? You know, do you keep guys on schedule? Are you going to do a spot start with somebody because you want to get Corbin Burns an extra, you know, skip a start, rest him up for a week? Those things do happen down the stretch. So you don't know how that's going to play out. And this is what you wanted. You got 23 games left and you're three out. So you still have a shot. And that makes this weekend huge at the ballpark. Absolutely. It's massive for the Cardinals and they've got to be able to win these types of series. And what I mean by these types of series is not even so much playing against quality teams. It's when you don't have Wayno on the mound. Mm -hmm. You've got John Lester, Miles Michaelis and Jay Happ going this weekend against the Reds. You've got to be able to take two out of three when you don't have Wayno out there because that's what it's going to require down the stretch. We all know Wayno's going to give you a chance and really give you a win, basically, every time he's out there. They're 9-1 and one in his last 10 starts as a team. Not him straight up. The team is. The problem has been the other starts. What are you getting from the other four guys in your rotation right now? It's been hit and miss. There's been some good ones. There's been some bad ones. But... When you've got a weekend like this where you don't have Wayno going, you're going to need a little bit more consistency. And, Dan, the place where I believe in their starters is at home. Uh, Derek Gould's done a great job of talking about this over in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Bush has become a pitcher's park, a severe pitcher's park. I brought it up three weeks ago, I'm just saying. 
And when when you're pitching in that kind of a park, especially with this defense behind you, yes. and Dan has mentioned this for the last month Thank now, you. it's a great place to pitch. And so this is where I believe in guys like Jay Happ and Miles Michaelis in particular. Yeah, and the lefties. You know, now Jay Happ was beat up in his last start uh, against the Cincinnati Reds, pitched into the second, was terrible in game two of that doubleheader. But John Lester was terrific. He gave up one hit, and that was the home run hit by Kyle Farmer. And we'll see how it plays this weekend. It's always the cat and mouse, right? What kind of adjustments do you make with a short turnaround against a team? This is a pretty short turnaround. So what do the hitters do in adjusting to John Lester? What does Lester do to counter? And Lester was very good in his last start against the Milwaukee Brewers. The point being, though, the Reds this year have not been great against left-handed pitching. And they're going to have to face two lefties now. They beat up Hap last time. So don't get me wrong. I'm talking generally speaking they have not been good against left-handed pitching. Last time we saw them, they were at the bottom of OPS in all of baseball against lefties. So that's something to keep in mind. And no Jesse Winker again this weekend, which is big because Winker has destroyed the Cardinals this year. They have Votto at 29 home runs. Of course, you got Nick Castellanos. You got Jonathan India, who is, in my mind, the front runner for the rookie of the year. And when right, they've got very good pitching. Malley's been good this year. You got Sonny Gray going in this game or in this series on Sunday. He at times has been really good. If he's on, he's tough to beat. But I go back to this. 23 games of what has been an up-and-down season, and there's no question it has been up-and-down for the Cardinals. And there's been a lot of heartache, especially in the second half of the season. But if you would have said through all this, and especially if you watch this team in the month of June, to say, hey, you're 23 games left, three games out, would you take it with teams that you're chasing? You'd probably say, yeah, I think I would, because watching in June was hard. They were bad in yep. every aspect of their game. And they got it together, and now you move forward, and let's see what happens. The weird thing is if you would have told me in June or July that they were three games back with 23 to play and the Padres were the team that they were chasing, I would have been like, oof, especially with three games left against the Padres head-to-head. That would have been terrifying because I thought at that time – the Padres are going to be well, a, BK, they a were scary the, team. They were. Remember what they did to the – I mean, they destroyed the Cardinals in that series out there. I remember talking to Katie Wu that Monday, Dan, and we, we asked her, you know, what do you think this series is going to mean for the Cardinals, for the Padres? It was a weekend series. We talked to her on Monday. We said, what is what is this week going to mean for the Cardinals? Because I think that same week they played the Brewers as well. And she said this could be a defining week for the Cardinals season, or it could be a defining moment for the Padres going into this weekend to push them into the right trajectory. Well, it could have been a defining moment Mm -hmm. for the Padres because they whooped up on the Cardinals. But since then, they just have not been the same team. Their pitching has stunk. It didn't change whenever they fired their pitching coach. They're still not very good. Who would have seen that one coming? Right. And now you're going into the final three weeks to a month of the season And you've got a real shot. And the Padres being three games up is not the kind of gauntlet that you would have expected it to be a month, two months, three months ago. Now that's just another team in the National League. They're not a whole lot different than the Reds or the Cardinals or the Phillies or the Mets. You can kind of throw all of these teams into a blender. They've all got their issues. They're all a little bit different in the way that they're struggling this year. But they're all struggling National League teams right now. They're not all that much different. Let's go back to the series we just uh, saw at Bush Stadium. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're a baseball fan, I thought it was awesome. And the reason I felt it was awesome, especially if you're a baseball fan here in St. Louis, number one, Albert Pujols coming back. And he hits a home run in his first at bat at the age of 41 back in St. Louis. Great moment at the ballpark a couple of nights ago. Uh, Adam Wainwright at the age of 40 dealing into the ninth. I mean, that 
what he's doing this year is he's got to be in the Cy Young conversation. I truly believe that. And with four to five starts left to go, if the Cardinals get into postseason play, he will be a big reason as to why. And now he is uh, a 15-game winner, and I understand it's not all about wins and losses. You look at it uh, in various ways when you look at the Cy Young. But I look at innings pitched, coming off a truncated season more so than ever this year. He's number two. Mm -hmm. I look at what he's done going into the seventh inning of games. I look at what he's done and going to the eighth or the ninth. He's the leader in those categories at the age of 40. Um, I look at his ERA. He's sub three. There's one. He's one of 10 now that is sub three. So when you start looking at his season right now, he would get some Cy Young votes. And I hope that when the voters look at what he's doing, they take a harder look coming off a truncated season. That's something to keep in mind what this guy's been able to do. The other part of the series I really enjoyed – um, not from a Cardinals fan's perspective, but Max Scherzer back in St. Louis, 37 years old and dealing, strikes out 13 in game one. That was fun to watch. I mean, that guy is as good as advertised every single time out, and he's going to get strikeout number 3,000. More than likely, I think he's six away now from getting that. So you had Wayno, you had uh, Albert, Albert, you had Scherzer, and you had Yachty. And Yachty's doing his thing and hits a home run the other day. So just seeing a great team with Mookie Betts and Justin Turner and Albert Pujols and all these different guys, Max Scherzer come through, four MVPs, four Cy Youngs that are a part of their team. And a gritty couple of wins for the Cardinals as well at the end of the series to to kind of put the cherry on the top. Let's attack each of those individually, Dan, because I think they're all interesting in their own right. Let's start with Wayno. I'm with you. He's got to be at least in the conversation right now. He's a top 10 candidate at worst. I think you can make an argument for top five. I think he's a little outside of the top two or three right now. Who would you put in your top two or three? Top two Scherzer. or three right now would be Scherzer, uh, Bueller's in that mix. Yep. Bueller I think, might be the number one. I think Wheeler's the one that's not getting a lot of discussion that deserves to be in that conversation. Innings. Ton yeah. of innings. If you're looking at some of the more advanced metrics, he's up there. And then the guys from the uh, Brewers both deserve to be there as well. There's a, It's a loaded candidate list this year in the National League, but he's right in that mix. The thing that's going to help Wayno is that – a lot of the voters are now leaning a little bit more on the advanced metrics. They sure. look at stuff like wins above replacement. And I know this can become alphabet soup a little bit sometimes for the listeners. But if you're just looking at wins above replacement, I think a lot of people have at least heard that before. He's seventh in the National League among qualified starters. That's very good. And that's going to be something that continues to increase as his workload increases down the stretch. He's got a real shot on this, Dan, to be a top five Cy Young candidate. And at the age of 40 now, I mean, that's... That's an amazing accomplishment. Well, BK, I, I think it could be within his grasp, and I say that because of what you have ahead of you as a team. So if, again, follow me here, if the Cardinals get into postseason play, so you got 23 games left, let's say he makes four to five starts, and he wins those and pitches well like he has been, he's the reason why you get into sure. postseason play. And and that I think that has to be taken into consideration with this. So it's kind of in his hands to go out there and deal. And I, I, you know, I covered his entire career, been doing his games. And I've thought that he has uh, had a shot at the Cy Young. Unfortunately, he's in an era with Clayton Kershaw and it didn't happen, but man, I'd never imagined that he would be in this position at this late in his career. Hell, I'd never thought that game in San Diego that I did uh, a few years ago. I thought that was the last time I'd see him pitch. And now I'm saying at the age of 40, doing what he's doing in middle of September, that he's got a chance at a Cy Young. He does. It's legitimate. 
He's that good. Yeah, for sure. Um, he, what we've seen from him really over the last, I guess it would be 14 months now since the start of last season. Agreed. He's he's been great since then too. It's it's one of the most remarkable thing accomplishments I've seen by a pitcher since I've been watching baseball. Because he was done, Dan. I mean, you've mentioned this before a million different times. There were moments where it looked like he wasn't going to be able to pitch again, much less be at a high level in the major leagues. And now to go from where he was to being a legitimate top five Cy Young candidate in the National League in 2021, to be able to come back next year and basically state his terms to the Cardinals, it's amazing. And we've used every possible descriptor on what his season has been. There's not anything that's a high enough honor to be able to place at his feet for what he's done over the last 14 months for this team. I don't know. It's become almost cliche. I legitimately don't know where this team would be without him. They're 9-1 and one in his last 10 starts. They would be five games below 500 potentially if not for him. Well, let's take it even further. So let's, if you're really going to dive into the votes... Um, I think it's either now nine or ten games that he has won after the team has lost. Yeah. So think about that, too. So he's been stopping some losing skids. I think skids. it's ten times he started after at least a two-game losing streak this year. And I want to say he is 8-1-1 one, and one in yeah. those games. I mean, that's incredible. You know, that's something to consider, too. Um, I go back to last year. I think one of the most amazing things of last season, there was two things that stood out about Wayno for me was after the the team was shut down with the COVID issues uh, and they're in their hotel rooms and, you know, throwing the ball off the mattress and all that stuff. I mean, literally quarantined, locked in their rooms. And they say, okay, Major League Baseball says, okay, you're going to go play 13 doubleheaders, I think it was. And that first game out, he takes the ball and shoves. And I was like, wow, that, that was impressive. <laughs> Pretty good. You know, I didn't know what to expect after that. And then he gets better and better yeah. and better. And then on his birthday, the 39th birthday, to have the complete game when there was nobody available in the bullpen. I mean, they were done. Like, the bullpen had been cooked. They got blown out on that Friday night. Daniel Ponce de Leon made a start. Went like two-thirds of an inning or something like that. So then you had to cover the nine innings. And then the next day, you had an extra inning game, even with the goofy rules that we have now. And it went like 11 or something like that. And then he comes out on that Sunday and throws a complete game. So... It, it, to your point, it started in 2020, and it's just carried over to what he's doing this year, and it's in front of him, just like for the team. Yesterday, the bullpen was the story for me in the what we saw. So Jake Woodford goes four innings, Alex Reyes two innings, McFarland inning and a third, Luis Garcia took him five pitches, he had two-thirds of an inning, and then Gallegos uh, picked up the save in a, a scoreless ninth inning. The bullpen was the story, along with the home run hit by Tyler O'Neill, And it was interesting how Mike Schilt used the bullpen, where McFarlane and Garcia now are going into higher leverage situations. And that's something I think we're going to see more than likely here down the stretch. Absolutely. And I also loved the way that he used Alex Reyes as a multi-inning reliever. I think we're going to see more of that as well. You've mentioned, could we see him as an opener? Maybe instead of putting him at the front end of games, it's basically the same thing. You give him two innings after a Jake Woodford start, where mm -hmm. Woodford gives you four, Alex Reyes gives you two, maybe if he's super efficient, three innings there, and you make it to the back end of your bullpen that he basically serves as the bridge. It serves two different purposes. One, he's now on a little bit more rest between his outings, which I think could be very good for him. I 
I do wonder if there's a little bit of fatigue that starts to accumulate when he's going back-to-backs and three out of four, those types of things. This gives him more rest in between his, his outings. The other thing is it boosts his innings at the end of the season, and they've talked all, all year long about getting him to 80 or 100 innings. He could get to 80. I don't think you're going to get to 100, but he could get to 80 if you're able to use him this way the rest of the year. Alex Reyes talked about those two scoreless innings. Um, You know, I, I feel like uh, today I executed a few a few breaking balls under the zone when I needed to um, do some good fastballs that were in the strike zone. You know, it's, at the end of the day, these are big league hitters you're facing, and, you know, if you miss over the heart of the plate, you'll, you'll get hurt. And those are just some things I've, I've happened uh, to run into lately and, you know, looking forward to, to going out there and executing pitches consistently. So Alex Reyes followed Jake Woodford four innings for Jake, and Jake was on the ropes at one point. You know, he got the first two, I think it was in the third inning, and then all of a sudden it was bases loaded, two outs, Cody Bellinger up. Bellinger's had a real tough year, and he's 0 for September, went 0 for the game yesterday. I think he's 0 for his last 23 or 24. And on the first pitch, he skied one into shallow right. Jake Woodford got through it, had a scoreless fourth, and you move on to the rest of the pen. So give Woodford some credit there, but certainly Alex Reyes, who now that the role is different and he's not in the back end of games, you know, you got to, I'm sure they've done this. You sit him down, you talk to him, you say, hey, we believe in you, but we need you. You know, you could be a weapon to bridge the gap <clears throat> for us to the back end of our bullpen. And if he can do that, then you have a massive weapon for the Cardinals in the final 23. And on Jake Woodford, he's fighting for a spot in the rotation, or at least to be that sixth guy going into next year. And he's been really impressive yeah. since he's made it back to the big leagues. Dan, it looks like he's a little bit more, I, he's in command of his pitches that's what i was gonna say he's he's, he's got conviction yeah. in what he's throwing now more so than whenever he left he it almost reminds me a little bit of the luke weaver development plan where luke weaver when he first came up was just nibbling he was he's trying to get at the corners he was trying to be too fine with his pitches and then when he got to the diamondbacks and he's been given an opportunity and i know he's hurt now but he looked like a different guy he looked like he had more confidence in himself that he was going to be able to do this at the big league level I think that's where Jake Woodford's getting now. And he kind of looks aesthetically like Luke Weaver on the mound. He's not an imposing guy necessarily, but he's looked a lot better. He has a .96 ERA since returning to the rotation this month. Uh, he, he looks good, and he's a guy that they're going to need to count on both down the stretch here and going into next season as well. So my final thought on uh, Wayno, by the way. So he is second in wins, 10th in ERA, one of 10, sub three. Three complete games. First in Major League Baseball, complete game shutout, uh, 184 in a third inning, second in all of baseball, eighth in whip, eighth in opponent average, 14 pitches per inning, best in baseball. Wow. Not bad at all. He's gone seven or more innings 16 times so far this year. Second on the Cardinals is Carlos Martinez, who has done it three times. It's amazing. It is amazing. Coming up, we're going to visit with Tommy Thrall. Tommy is the play-by-play uh, -play voice on the radio side for the Cincinnati Reds in a big, big showdown with the Reds this weekend. Tommy Thrall is the outstanding play-by-play -play voice of the Cincinnati Reds. We're going to get to him in just a moment. By the way, Chris Sale has just uh, tested positive for COVID-19, so he's going to miss his start on Sunday against the White Sox. He's the 10th Red Sox player to test positive since August 27th. Wow. 
and they're still hanging in there. Let's uh, bring in, that's BK, I'm Danny Mack. Let's bring in uh, Tommy Thrall, who does a great job on the broadcast with the Cincinnati Reds. Reds and Cardinals tonight. You can see that game on Valley Sports Midwest. Hey, Tommy, thanks for hopping on. How you doing? Hey, I'm good, Dan. Thanks so much. Uh, appreciate you guys having me. You bet. Uh, so we have Tyler Malley, John Lester tonight, Castillo, Michaelis on Saturday, Sonny Gray, Jay Happ on Sunday. Reds just lost another series. What's going on right now with the Cincinnati Reds? Uh, man, it's tough. Uh, they're, they're really, I think what it boils down to is they're just not hitting right now. Um, and that's something they've done all year. They've done a pretty good job of manufacturing runs, uh, really using the whole field. And they just, for, for whatever reason, they're just kind of in a, a offensive lull. And I think it really started. I don't know if it's just coincidence with the timing or, you know, if, it, if that just makes that big of an impact. But it really seems like it kind of started when Jesse Winker went down. And uh, still not sure when he'll be back. Hopefully in the next week or two. Um, he should start his rehab assignment relatively soon, maybe as early as uh, the start of next week. But So I, I think that, that has something to do with it, but the, the offense just isn't clicking. And um, the starting pitching's been okay. The bullpen has still you know, had, had hits, its ups and downs. But uh, I think when it really comes down to it, this team is just not doing what it was doing early from an offensive standpoint. That's super surprising because of the names that are in that lineup. But I think we've seen this across Major League Baseball, that these, these teams, for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's a 2021 problem or if this is just me not remembering what it was like to watch a full season, but it feels like everybody's gone through some of these weird sustained slumps this year. Have you noticed that as well? Yeah, it just seems like as a team, yeah, that, that you're seeing that across the board. I mean, right now the, the Padres are kind of going through the same thing that the Reds are going through. Uh, and I think a lot of it, I, I, you might be right. You might, you might be honest something with the length of the season. Everybody expected the pitchers to get one down. Um, and I think we've seen that some, but, but a lot of guys that have been workhorses in the past have continued to be again this year. Um, you know, Vladimir Gutierrez is a guy for, for the Reds, but uh, it looked like, he was starting to get tired and then bounced back and, and had a great start a couple of days ago. Uh, but from an offensive standpoint, I don't think anybody really anticipated the impact that really only playing at 60 games last year would have on those guys. So we might be seeing some of that too. It's, it, it definitely feels like collectively baseball is just getting a little tired here down the stretch. Well, our guest is uh, Tommy Thrall, and he is the play-by-play voice of the Cincinnati Reds. I think this happened on your broadcast where Joey Votto, who is – Injured at the time, and you guys weren't traveling at that point in time. Uh, and I don't know if you're going to – are you in St. Louis today? Are you guys here? We are, yeah. Yeah, great. Well, we'll catch yeah. up tonight. But um, So you guys were in your booth in Cincinnati at the Great American Ballpark. Joey is there doing a workout. Correct me if I'm wrong. The team is on the road, so you're doing a game off a monitor. And he says, hey, I, I just kind of want to hop on and, uh, and, and you know – to shoot the ball a little bit about baseball. Did he? Was that with you guys? And, and what was that like? How did it unfold? Yeah, that was with us. It was incredible. So we're we're in there, uh, you know, we, we we do the games from our radio booth when we were doing uh, the remote broadcast, and, and we actually had the, the shades down. We have shades in our booth so the sun doesn't crush us. Um, so we had the shades down, and our PR guy, uh, it was Jamie Ramsey at the time, because Rob Butcher was, was traveling with the team. He said, hey, look, Joey Votto's down there getting a workout. And I said, well, why don't you see if he wants to come up and join us on the radio? Half joking. But obviously, if Joey wants to do that, by all means, we're going to have him on. He said yes and, and came on. And, you know, when you have a guest, you think they stay for a half inning. If it's a quick inning, maybe you bring him back for another half. Well, he ended up staying for the entire remainder of the game. I want to say it was four or five innings. He stayed in the booth with us, and we had a great time. Covered 
just an array of topics, not just baseball, but it was it was so cool because it it gives. I I think a big part of our job is to try to help fans relate to the players as more than just athletes. It's more than just professional baseball players. So it gave fans a chance to really get to know Joey on a, on a different level. And I thought it was outstanding because of all the topics we, we covered, chess, fishing, concerts, music, and obviously a lot of baseball as well. But it was, it was really, really cool. Uh, it was just one of those moments when you get done with it, you think, Wow, that was that was really special, and that, that that just doesn't happen. I find him as a fascinating player. I've always enjoyed watching him play because I think he's just one of the best hitters of his era and probably headed to the Hall of Fame. I am curious, though, did you guys ask him, like, is this something you want to do? Do you want to you want to broadcast? Do you want to get into this side of it? Or was this just a one-off and he's having a little fun? I, I think it was something we did ask him. and But I, I don't think he wants to think about anything beyond playing right now. I think he still feels like he's got a lot of playing time left. I will say this. He was very adamant about wanting to do some play-by-play. And he started kind of jumping in in different spots. And so we finally let him call a few. Uh, well, I think he ended up calling a whole inning. And then he would just jump in with some play-by-play here and there. Um, but you could tell he wanted to get really good at it. And so as as he, he went, he actually got better just in the, the little bit of time that he was in there because – Part of what makes him great and such a great hitter is that he's just always looking for ways to get better. And and he did the same thing up there. But if he wanted to do it, I have no doubts he could turn himself into a really good broadcaster. Do you feel like he's become more open and accessible this year? Because, I mean, from the outside looking in, I've seen like three or four interviews that he's done that are just fascinating. And I think he's always been an interesting guy. But it seems like he's been a little bit more open. But that's me from a national perspective. Does it feel that way as well in Cincinnati? A hundred percent. I mean, it's like he's a different guy this year, and I think a lot of that has to do with fun again. And and he's he said it before that this is the most fun he's had playing the game, and it really shows. The whole team kind of has that type of personality where they they all just they're not afraid to express themselves as who they are, and that goes even with the rookies, guys like Jonathan Engine, guys like that. So uh, I, I think that, that culture in the clubhouse has really linked itself to that. Um, and I think he's just really comfortable in, in who he is right now. Uh, he's, he's certainly matured some. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it just has to do with the fact that he's just more comfortable and, and having as much fun as he's ever had because he is definitely uh, – you guys notice it and we notice it in Cincinnati – all the time it's like he is just a different guy how much more open he is this year and it's been fun because he's a fun guy he's a funny guy and uh it's it's great that fans are starting to see that now tommy where's that culture come from you know i don't know i i that's that's a good question i, I think it comes from some of the veterans that have been brought in i don't like my stock is just you know helps uh create a winning culture uh i think a, a nick castellanos certainly has uh, some personality there as well. And they just, I think it's just a culture in the clubhouse that, that kind of just is of the mind, be who you are. And uh, that seems to be what we're seeing. And I, I can't necessarily point to where it comes from. I know David Bell, the, the manager, uh, lets them be themselves. So that, that might be a big part of it. The crazy thing, when I look at this game tonight, Tyler Malley at the Great American Ballpark, 13 starts, ERA of 609. Slug against him is 537. Away on the road, 15 starts, 1-9 ERA, mm. only four home runs allowed, 287 slug. 
So in doing this in a historical perspective, with at least 28 starts in a season, no pitcher since 1920 has finished with 25 or more starts and a sub-2 ERA on the road and a 6 ERA or plus at home. It's amazing the splits that he's had. Why Why is that? And, um, you know, what, what's been the difference with him at home as opposed to what's going on on the road? Uh, that is a, that is a million-dollar question. And I, I've asked a lot of people to try to, you know, explain that. Um, and, and the only thing that I get is you know, Great American Ballpark is a very, very hitter-friendly park. Uh, and Tyler Mallory is a five-ball pitcher, so that might just is. And at some point, I think it gets in your head a little bit. He's never really pitched that well at home. I mean, you look at the career splits. Uh, they're not as drastic as they are this year, but they're definitely noticeable. He's always pitched better on the road. Uh, but I, I really just think it's a mistake here or there at home that really has a tendency to inflate his numbers um, in, in any given start. And that's because, you know, he, he likes to work with his fastball elevated. Uh, he's had that working, I think, better this year than he ever has. But when you work up in the zone with your fastball, you're going to leave some there's just going to be some that don't get as high as you need them to get. And you don't get them above the zone. You leave them right in the hitting zone, and then you pay the price. I think that may have something to do with it. Um, but but it's really hard to explain. I mean, I, I that's, that's the best I can come up with. That's the best I've heard. So uh, otherwise, a lot of people just try to chalk it up to coincidence. But it's got to be a little more than that in my mind. The voice of the Reds, Tommy Thrall, joining us here on 101 ESPN for another couple of minutes. Uh, Tommy, what's the mindset in uh, in Cincinnati, from the fan base at least, going into this series against St. Louis? I mean, they, they've got an, a real shot at this wild card, both of these teams do. And this feels like it, it's a huge series between two teams, but I'm not sure that the hype here locally is the way that it would be if uh, they were playing better right now. What's it like in Cincinnati going into this series? Yeah, I think there's some certainly some concern. I think that has uh, diminished maybe some of the hype you're talking about just because the team has lost five straight series. I, I, I mean, I think that really kind of takes the wind out of some sails uh, from a fan base perspective. But there's still time for somebody to get hurt. The, the wild card is wide open. Um, obviously, the Cardinals are right there in the mix. Uh, but, but I think the team needs to start Well, they – this is an understatement, but they need to start playing better so that way if they do get into the wild card, you don't feel like you're just backing in. Um, you you want to get there and feel like, all right, you've got a chance to get there and, and do some damage. So uh, to me, this is a huge series. It's a, the Reds have played fairly well at Blue Stadium this year. They played well against the Cardinals this year. Uh, so, yeah, to me it's a huge series, but I, I'm, I'm right there with you. It doesn't seem as though the uh, the excitement level is where you might expect it. But I think that has a lot to do with the way things have gone here over the last five series. Hey, Tommy, final question. Uh, Nick Castellanos, fabulous player against St. Louis this year, hitting 392, on-base percentage of 456, slugging 804. My God. The, guy, the guy has been just <laughs> – they can't get him out. So um, – what is going to happen with Nicholas Castellanos? Is, is, I would assume he's going to opt out of his deal. And do the Reds feel that he re-signs with them? What kind of money is he looking for? Is he talked about it? Where, where are they at right now with Castellanos? Uh, that's the one thing he wants to talk about. It hasn't been discussed much. I think the overwhelming consensus is that he'll be gone at the end of the season. Um, but, but nobody really seems to know. It's talked about uh, you know, behind the scenes quite a bit. A lot of general wonderment what's going to happen there. But 
Uh, I know he's enjoying his time in Cincinnati. He feels really comfortable uh, here. It, it, I think it's the best year really that he's had. He, you know, he had that, that, that stretch of success when he was with the Cubs after he got traded from Detroit. He started real hot with the Reds. Uh, last year and then cooled off. Uh, so really, this is kind of the best we've we've seen him. Um, I, I think it's going to be really tough, to be completely honest, for the Reds to retain him. Uh, that that's a big hole that you would have to fill going into the off season. If the Reds do make the playoffs, if they make a deep run, maybe it changes things a little bit. But yeah, that I just I I don't honestly see how he sticks around. I know Reds fans would love to see it. Um, I would love to see it. And I'm sure the Reds will try to find a way to make it happen if there's a way. But uh, it's going to be really, really challenging. Hey, Tommy, great to hear that you guys are in town. And uh, we'll catch up at the ballpark tonight. And thanks for hopping on. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. Look forward to seeing you. You too, buddy. That's uh, Tommy Thrall. The Reds, unfortunately, are kind of limping into this series. They've lost five series in a row. And not necessarily to teams that are really statistically all that good. So, you know, you never want to keep looking in the rearview mirror, but that's what the Reds are doing right now. And unfortunately for them, you know, the St. Louis seems like this monster that has arisen every year. Uh, they're having a, an off year this year. The Reds are having a good year, and they're still right behind them. So it's one of these things that the, the Reds aren't too comfortable right now. Chris Welsh, analyst of Reds baseball, was on the morning show, and uh, that was his thoughts on what's happening here recently with the Reds. So they are a game out in the wild card. If it ended today, be the Dodgers, the Padres, Reds are a game back, and the Cardinals are three out and two back of Cincinnati. And that's why, BK, that uh, this series is so important. And again, uh, you can see the game on uh, Bally Sports tonight. It will be John Lester, Tyler Malley, Miles Michaelis, Luis Castillo, Jay Happ, Sonny Gray, and the three games this weekend with the Reds in town. Yeah, it's it's strange, Dan, because we focus so much on the local team and what the Cardinals are doing. Well, in their last 11 games the Reds are three and eight if you're looking at what the Padres have done over the last 24 they are eight and 16 the other teams that are in this wild card race are also really struggling right now and it doesn't matter who they're going up against the Reds have lost against the likes of the Tigers and the Cubs recently they lost a series against the Marlins as well if you're looking at what the Padres have done they got they lost three out of four against Arizona they lost against the Marlins and the Rockies and the Phillies it's been everybody. It doesn't matter who these teams are playing. And this sounds familiar because it is familiar. All these teams are basically, you can put them into the same category. They're very flawed. They're flawed in different ways. And that's why the Cardinals are still in this thing. And as strange as it is to say, they've got a chance to end this weekend ahead of the Reds in the wild card race. Yep. If you would have told me that two, three weeks ago, I would have said you're nuts. There's no way that that's going to happen, especially post Jack Flaherty injury. But here we are, and the Cardinals are right in this thing with every opportunity to get back into the race. Should be fun tonight. You have your show coming up the next three hours. What do you got? We do indeed. So we've got a lot of baseball coming up. I want to talk a little bit more about Jake Woodford's start last night. What can he do to earn trust from the Cardinals and from this fan base down the stretch? Not necessarily to be an established starter, but... If the Cardinals go into the offseason, he could maybe make them feel good about their depth by pitching well down the stretch this year. I also want to talk about Mike Schilt. The Cardinals, like we just said, got a chance to make the playoffs this year. Is that enough for the Cardinals fan base to get back behind their manager? We'll talk about that coming up. And we've got Jeremy Fowler of ESPN coming up at 1 o'clock as well. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. Marty Ryder uh, filling in for Tanner. Did a great job as always. And we'll talk to everyone.
Monday on 101 ESPN.